podcast audience, what's shaking? This life ain't for everybody. Back at you with another strong conversation brought to you by our friends and family in Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only, the iconic Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Jack Daniels. I love Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I just got back from Lynchburg, Tennessee, the 2021 Jack Daniels World Championship Barbecue. I got to hang with the greatest pit master of my time, Mr. Tuffy Stone. I got to see the winners crowned, the money given away, the aura, the culture, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the sour mash smell mixed with those grills and that smoke and those ribs and that pulled pork and the chicken and the brisket. It was an amazing time. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in everything we got going here on our brands. And thank you for supporting the music that we truly love in our country today. Everybody knows my problem with 16th and 17th Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee, even though I got a little piece of the voice in it. I just like to let everybody know that there truly is good country, good Western, good music out there that is reminiscent of somebody like Waylon or Mark Chestnut, Travis Tritt, Tracy Bird, the music that I grew up listening to, Robert Earl Keen, Jerry Jeff Walker. I mean, there's so much good music in Texas. I just got back from a Cody Jink show that Travis Tritt and him did in Austin. There's a lot of good stuff out there. We got one of them today. Mr. Creed Fisher from New Braunfels, Texas. I don't know if you guys have heard about his new album that's being released this month, October 22nd, 2021, Whiskey and the Dog. He's released three singles off of it already, or maybe not singles, but his first three releases and the pre-order, High on the Bottle, The Good Old U.S. of A, and Jesus, Haggard and Jones. And when he says Haggard and Jones, I hope this audience knows who Merle and George Jones, the possum, yabba dabba do. The king is gone, and so are you. Mr. Creed, what's going on, my brother? What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? You're wearing a Wayland shirt, dude. Are you into that outlaw shit? Yeah, I grew up on that shit, man. You like the, you like, uh, are you a, are you a Bob Wills fan and all the old style Texas music or you, did you get, uh, you're probably close to my age. I know you're born in the seventies. Um, what, what's your favorite? Give me some idea of what your influences were. Waylon said it best. Bob Wills was the king. So he really was. I think in Texas, that's where it all starts, man. But I grew up listening to all Marty Robbins, Don Williams, uh, Hank Sr., Hank Jr., Waylon. So I grew up listening to the classic stuff first, and then I kind of got introduced to the outlaw guys. And then I got into black Sabbath and Ted Nugent. So. Ooh, I've had Ted Nugent on the show. I love uncle Ted. I love Ozzy too. I like, I like a lot of rock and metal and there's so much good stuff out there that, uh, that kind of influenced and paved my, I'm not a musician by any means. I love music and it paved a lot of way for me in this life. Um, you thought you talk about that outlaw part of, you know, music in the seventies and the early eighties and what Willie and Waylon and Chris Christopherson and cash and like Don Williams and Haggard, there was a, just an unbelievable amount of real, real songwriting. When you sit down and you start thinking about putting pen or pen to paper Creed, what, what do you, are you trying to show real life? Um, let's talk about real life. Like you talk about this little blue house and how it influenced you and the words are used hitting rock bottom. This all goes into what comes out 
of that songwriting session and what goes into these records. Am I wrong or right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the life you live is what goes into your music. You know, you live it first and then you write about it. You know? So I think when it comes to having hard times that you go through, I think as a songwriter, you get better at writing songs the older you get because you obviously go through a bunch of things that, but the blue house just represents, you know, when I was at my rock bottom and got into music. So I think that that's what people relate to in the music is, that, is because it's real. It's not something that that's just made up, you know, it's actually things that I've lived through. And, and I think that makes a difference. So the, the Little Blue House depicts a place where you lived going through a part in your life that encountered, you know, things that suck, you know, divorce, family breakup, uh, might be financial stress. There might have been things that came into this part of your life that sometimes you probably wanted to say, that's it, man. I don't need this anymore. You know, a lot of people could just give up. And But there's this thing called the threshold. You got to get through a threshold. And you found music is this true like you found music at this point in your life when you are hitting rock bottom and music is what kind of gives you the the ability to start climbing out i always kind of described it as music found me at the time you know i was just at a very very low point i would say probably the lowest point in my life i mean i've had some pretty rough times but it was a very traumatic, you know, point in my life. And that's just when I, the thing about it is, you know, when I say that, what I'm trying to say is I had a lot of time on my hands. You know, I went from being a very, very busy person to having an enormous amount of time on my, my hands that I didn't know what to do with. It was weird. It felt, you know, I, I and so when you're going through a divorce and you're going through losing, you know, you go from having your kids all the time to then, you know, you have them every other weekend. You just have all this time on your hands. And so I think at that time I needed something constructive to do to kind of work through uh, the frustration and the, and the anger and the, the sadness and, and even happiness, you know, even the drinking times. I mean, I just needed uh something to do you know and i think that's when i first got into music that's kind of how it started so what do you mean got into music did you pick up a guitar did you already have a guitar in your house like did you have a, a, a past history with music and picking on the guitar tell me how music found, finds you no i'd never done music my whole life i was 35 years old and raised three kids i mean i tried playing guitar when i was young but i was when I was young, I mean, I, I had, uh, I was kind of, I was had a little bit of ADD, you know, ADHD, I was hyper. And so if it didn't come easy when I was younger, in my young teenage years, you know, I, I just let it go. And I had never, I mean, I'd picked up a guitar and tried to play it when I was probably, you know, 16, 17 years old. And it didn't come, it wasn't something that came natural, but I had written songs and written poems. I'd been writing poems since I was, you know, nine or 10 years old. So I think that part came natural, but I think the singing part was the part that first, that I first realized that I could, you know, I had a talent that I could sing. And so I, to be honest, I mean, I think that's what drove the fire. I mean, if I could have never, I didn't think I was a good singer. I don't think I would have went to the next level. But uh, for me, it was just when I got divorced, you know, I was going through some hard times and, 
I wanted to, I'd gotten up with a friend of mine and he was a guitar player and he, you know, I was singing and he would play and I just got frustrated that I couldn't play the guitar. So I went down to the pawn shop and bought a guitar when I was about 35 and I just started playing. Does this friend give you some lessons? No, no, I took some lessons. I took a couple lessons from, you know, from, uh, there was a place where I lived that would ha- that had a open mic every Tuesday night. I think a lot of artists kind of get started that way. You get started at, in an open mic situation, you know? So I, uh, I would go, I went to a couple lessons with him and he sold me a book that showed you the chords, you know? So I just went home and started learning how to play the guitar. And I wasn't very good at first, you know, uh, it took a lot of time, but, when I moved to Fort Worth in 2013, I went from being a oil field electrician and trying to play guitar to, I had to play the guitar and pay my rent. So I think that's when I actually learned how to play the guitar because I had to play. And I think when I, you know, through that time period, that's kind of when I came to who I am today as an artist. Do you, going through this point, Creed, when you're learning music, what are the signs that you start to see that I'm onto something here? Like, are you starting to book gigs at local country dance halls in Texas or, you know, Texas famous dance halls or theaters or anything? Or are you playing open mic nights on your own? Are you going to a house party or a block party and playing? People are telling you, man, you're good. You got what's giving you the confidence to start trying, you know, to get to this point in your career? I think when you first started, I know when I first started, it's so hard because it's so intimidating. It's so, you know, you're so nervous when you when you start playing, when you start doing my first few open mic nights. <clears throat> I can just remember how nervous I was, you know, and you go in there and you're not very good. But the people are you're around people like you you're around people who are just in it for the music, for the love of the music. So they're not very, very critical of, you know, of if you mess up or, or whatever. But I think for me, you know, that's kind of how I started. I just got in front of people and started playing. I wasn't very good. I, I embarrassed myself a few times, but if you, if you're not willing to fall on your face, you'll never make it because that's what makes you better. If you have it inside of you to do it, you know, so, I mean, I could have easily quit at that point, but I just had a fire inside of me to do it. And so I think for me personally, when I got past that stage of playing the open mic nights and people saying, man, you could, you, you have a great voice, you know, and I couldn't play guitar very well, but, you know, and, and I was always kind of good at writing songs, but I wasn't great at that point, but. I think that's just kind of what kept me going. And then when I went and did my first album, to be honest with you, when, when I went into the studio and did my first 10 songs where you go in with the professionals and you hear your voice and your, your lyrics mixed with what they do. I think that was the first time I realized that, you know, I might do this. When you're in that studio and you're and you're you know hearing the 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 feedback from people, but you're also sitting in there with the mixing and you're going through like the songs are being put together. Are you 
do you have to go back and rewrite anything or did you already have the mindset like these are the 10 songs that I'm going to go in and lay down and you had to go through them with a uh, you know like a fine tuned you know comb to say hey this is what I want on this album. This is going to represent me. I'm coming out of the gate swinging, right? I'm coming out of the box swinging. How did you know that these first 10 songs were going to be good representation of the Creed Fisher brand? I didn't. You had no idea. I was, I was so green and had no idea what the hell I was doing. You know, I just took, I took the songs that I thought I had done a, a little bit of recording before I went to do actually do my first album. So I had done a few songs. And I just, I mean, I just, I took the songs that I thought were best and I went to Nashville, I did my first album in Nashville with Buddy Hyatt. And so I just think for me, man, I knew that I knew that I had some good lyrics, but for me, it wasn't, I was very humble in the aspect that I knew I didn't know it all. I wasn't even close. So I really let I really let Buddy help me. And to be honest with you, I mean, I had a song I had just written before I went. And when we got done preparing for the album the day before I went in, I said, hey, man, I, I got this song. It was You Should Have Been a Redneck. And I said, I, I wrote this song in my sleep, you know, a few days ago. And I played it for him. And when I got done playing it, he said, what song are we taking off the album? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And he's like, that's better than pretty much all of these other ones. Really? <laughs> he's like, which one are we taking? And so I had a, a song called Chasing My Demons at the time and uh, that actually I've never cut, but I ended up, you know, cut uh, putting You Should Have Been a Redneck on the album instead. And so I think at that time, man, it was just, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I was just doing the best I could. And I think it just, I think the good Lord was kind of involved. And I think, it, I mean, and when, when I went in and cut the songs, I mean, like I said, man, at the time when I heard it, when, when I was experiencing it at the time, that was the first time I realized, Hey, you might could do this, you know, you might could, uh, this might work out, you know, but and to be honest with you, looking back all these years, I mean, I wasn't really happy with that album or those songs, but it was just the first time I realized that I had the talent to do it. And what year is this in? Is this back? Is this 15 years ago or so? That was in 2011. 2011. And I'm, I'm, I'm just making sure that I have this right. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to find this song. So I know it. Is this on the Ain't Scared to Bleed album? No, you should have been a redneck. Was on my first album called Down Here in Texas, which I took off of uh, all social media because I've actually redone several of the songs. But you should have been a redneck was one that I was actually pretty happy with with how it came out. So I put it on all these songs I wrote, which was a greatest hits compilation. Gotcha and. And as you start building this this portfolio of albums, are you starting to develop what they call? I mean, there's musicians like Chris Knight out of Kentucky, one of my favorite songwriters of all time, that is called an unquote or was given an honorary Texan award. Like he's considered an honorary Texan. Do you start to see? I remember when I had Hayes Carl on here, who's another unbelievable Texas artist, telling me about 
when people first, when the DJs first started hearing down the road tonight and, and the reaction that he got, all of a sudden he's getting all these calls blowing up like, hey, come play this festival. You got to come into the radio station. You know, he started to see a change. I mean, he was living down by Galveston, I think, working off the shore or something. And he's like, oh, my God, things are changing. Did you start to see that in Texas, your home state, that, man, people are paying attention and I'm I'm starting to be where, you know, like my heroes like Keen or Corey Morrow or whoever they might have been. You, you start to see you starting to climb that ladder as well. I think for me, I kind of did everything backwards. (laughs) I think that's just the story of Creed Fisher, to be honest with you. I mean, I kind of became famous outside of Texas before I was ever well-known inside the state. Uh, I had trouble with the chart when I first started. I was a pretty controversial figure. And, uh, you know, my biggest hit's called, if you have a right to burn my flag, then I have a right to kick your ass. And so I was more known for my patriotic songs, which resonated a lot out. I mean, to be honest with you, places you wouldn't think, you know, like Ohio, you know, Illinois. And so these became play. And and so I became big in the Southeast before I, I was, I was selling out shows in Georgia before I was ever selling out shows here because I did not kiss ass. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. I, I didn't, I, I, I don't make friends well. I don't have a lot of friends. I don't network well because that's just not what I, I mean. I'm a good songwriter. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. So I've never been part of that. Not, not that, I mean, not that I would be opposed to it, but I've just never been part of that group of that, the Corey Morrow's, the, you know, that the Randy Rogers, I've, I don't know any of those guys, to be honest with you. I know Jackson Taylor. You know, I know I know more some of the Dallas more. But I've kind of come into Texas through the back door after I was already pretty famous outside of Texas. And I started promoting back to the chart. I guess it's been about two years ago. And so now I've had five top 20s, a top 10 with Rock and Roll Man. And so uh, we're nominated this year for Roots Alternative Band of the Year in the Texas Country Music Awards. Nice. So I've kind of come backwards, per se, but we're having success in Texas more than we ever have these days. And what does success in Texas entail? Is it is it playing the Broken Spoke in Austin? Is it the Paramount Theater? Is it where you live, where you're from, Green Hall? Legendary. Legendary. Is it going to Lukenbach and doing what Waylon and Willie and Jerry Jeff Walker did? What what defines success in Texas, in your opinion, Creed Fisher? To me, it's just go, me being able to go to Dallas, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, places in, in East Texas, and draw draw a good crowd, you know? We're, we're drawing, we're, we're having crowds come out. People are enthusiastic to be there. You know, they're up at the front of the stage. They're wanting me to sign stuff while I'm playing, you know. So that's what I love seeing. And I think, I mean, obviously the chart's a whole different situation, man. You know, I think I think there's a place for that. I don't put, you know, an end-all, be-all on the chart because I'm an outlaw country artist, man. I do things my own way. I rub a lot of people wrong, you know, so I've, I've had, I have trouble in, in Texas. I, I mean, my song right now, you know, I, I just had a number nine, you know, and 
you know, the new singles stalling out in the thirties, you know, up, you know, mid twenties, you know, so I just do me, man. And I think people don't really like that, to be honest with you. And what is the new single? People like me, new Texas single. Is the new Texas single? Which Texas? The Texas scene moves so slow, you know, it's like I've put out nine albums in the last two years. Nine, huh? I put out nine albums in the last two years, seven of which have went top five on iTunes. But I've never had a top five on the Texas chart. And iTunes is in the world, not just Texas. Let's hear let's hear a little bit of people like me. People like me. So it's kind of I, I I like the vibe, the filter part of it. I'm interested in. Do you consider yourself a musician, artist, songwriter that has no filter, or have you gotten better? Because there is part of this business of building a musician, a brand in this industry, Creed, that I've seen and witnessed. That you do have to play the game sometimes. You do have to be politically maybe not correct, but you do have to like politic and go out and build the brand. I know that you have a management team. I know that you have public relations and a media team. I know you have a label, but do you? find yourself kind of getting into the game more and more and, and, and having to have a filter? I just think you have to be smart about how you do things. You know, when I put out an album and it goes up on iTunes, I say what I want to say. No, I don't care who, who likes it, who doesn't like it. It's how I feel. And I'm going to say what I got to say. Now, when I'm giving something to the radio, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the radio what radio wants. I'm not going to force something on radio that they don't want, you know. But when I'm putting my music out on iTunes, full throttle, it's, you know, it's pure Creed Fisher. I'm not holding anything back. And, and it, you know, they can take it however they want. But when it comes to, I just think you have to be smart, you know. Don't, don't try giving radio a song you know they're not going to, they're not going to like. I mean, you kind of have to be smart and you, you write the songs that you want to write and say what you want to say. And then you have those songs that, you know, you're going to push the radio that are more obviously family friendly and uh, just appeal more to, to radio DJs and whatnot. But I just think you have to be smart with how you do things. You know, you know, my mom always said, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say nothing at all. You know? So I think when it comes to, my music, you know, I think I do say what I have to say, even sometimes it's not nice, but it just has to be said, you know, and but I think when it comes to radio, you have to be smart and you just have to 
you have to plan for that stuff, you know, with, with every album you do, you, you got to say, what songs am I pushing the radio? You, you have to make sure they fit the parameters. Being a self-proclaimed introvert, like you just told me a couple minutes ago, Creed Fisher, do you co-write or do you write all of these songs by yourself? I've wrote probably 90% of my songs by myself. I didn't co-write a song. Uh, I co-wrote the only way that I co-wrote early in my career was not in person with someone, but I co-wrote two songs with Joe Kent. And it was, I just, you know, he sent me his portfolio. I went through it and found, you know, two songs that I related to. And then I made it mine. You know, I changed it up quite a bit and made it mine. But after that happened, you know, I got kind of a bad taste in my mouth with co-writing. And I just wrote my own songs. I mean, shit, man. I, I had uh, I had four or, four or five albums out, you know, before I ever co-wrote again with anybody. And then I, uh, I became friends with Mickey Lamantia who's an artist out of uh, Rhode Island. And I co-wrote How Far Would I Fall on Old School with him, which was also not in person, you know. So I've never co-wrote in person with someone until here recently when I wrote uh, four, four of the songs on Whiskey and the Dog or with my buddy Mark Jones. So that was the first time I'd actually sit down with somebody and, and co-write. But yeah, I'd say pretty much 90% of my songs are just me, which I kind of prefer. <laughs> so before we get into the new album, what are, are you goal orientated? Do you take it as it comes? Like the late, great Jerry Jeff sang about what are your goals, Creed? Like, would you want to sell out the Dickies arena in Fort Worth someday or you want to like, or do you want that big audience? Do you want to be selling out stadiums? Are you, where, where are you in your mindset right now at the age you're at, at the point in your career right now as a singer, songwriter, artist, what, what do you want to see yourself in the next 36, 36 months, the next five years? Real simple, man. I want to be the greatest outlaw country music artist of my time. And I want to be sorry. I missed that. What was that? You want to be what? That pretty much sums it up, man. I want to be one of the greatest outlaw artists of my time. Who do you consider? The I, want other? Be, I, I want to be somebody people are getting tattoos of 20 years after I'm gone. Like, you know, who are the other like great, Waylon. who are the other great outlaw country artists of this time right now? In this time right now? Yeah. I'll definitely Cody Jinks, Jamie Johnson. To me, those are the two uh, that I admire pretty much the most. I think there's uh, Guthrie Jenkins, Whitey Morgan, Wade, Wade Davis, or Ward Davis, rather. My bad. Those are some of the ones that just come to mind off the top of my head. Uh, Mickey Lamantia. Do you like Co Wetzel? I do. I do like Co Wetzel. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Co Wetzel's music. Uh, I'm from a different generation than Co Wetzel is. 
And I, I walk a fine line because I live, I've lived a very hard outlaw. I mean, I've been to jail more times, you know, that I, I care to admit, but I just, I love the, the country. I, I support the police. I support vets. And uh, not that I'm, I'm not saying Coetzel doesn't, because I don't know enough about Coetzel, but I know one thing: he's he's kicking ass. You know, he's doing he's doing really well, and uh, I would love to play some with Coetzel. I'd love to meet the guy, you know. But I just think, as an older, I'm, I'm 47, so I know he he appeals to the younger crowd. Uh, but yeah, I think he's got. Some yeah, I agree with you. I've, uh, I've been getting into him more and more. But you mentioned a name there with Jamie Johnson that by far people have heard me say it on here before. But that Lonesome Song is one of the greatest country albums, song to song of all time, in my opinion. Do you agree? I love that song, man. I think it really stands the test of time. And as, a, as far as the entire... I, I mean, I just kind of I hate it that Jamie Johnson, you know, hasn't put out more music but i can't really hold it against him i mean we each have to kind of do our own thing you know but i just think that out that whole album will stand the test of time it's just one of the to me it's one of the greatest country albums ever oh i like hearing you say that i've been saying that for years i freaking love it man i just learned from uh kendall marvel another you know he's an awesome song i don't know if he'd be considered outlaw kendall's got unbelievable talent but he wrote the lonesome song with jamie and he was just on the podcast a couple weeks ago and i was like man to be able to sit there with jamie johnson at that time in his life waking up in his truck at losers in midtown in nashville and that morning sun and just the way that that song hits i i I love seeing him live i love everything jamie johnson has ever saying that song he's got a can't cash my checks freaking bad to the bone you like that one too I actually put out a version of that back uh, when I first started. <laughs> God, you can that's actually still on YouTube. I'm but gonna go yeah, look it I used up. to play that in my show back in the day. I'm going to look that one up because that line about go back, go out my back porch and over the hill. There's these plants that have been paying the bills. Unbelievable song, but the new album Creed. Fisher is coming out on October 22nd, 2021, and it's highly acclaimed. It's people are fired up for it. Whiskey and the dog. Now, are you a whiskey drinker, Creed? Is this a true story? You love your dog and you love your whiskey? I see the cover of the album. You're sitting on a floor with a dog in a whiskey bottle. Is this everyday life for Creed Fisher, or is this in the past, and you're just reminiscing and writing about the past? Well, I mean, I do love whiskey. I think as I've gotten older, I've kind of tried to eat healthier and live healthier. And But, yes, man, I still love my bourbon. So I try to have a balance these days with it. <laughs> but, uh yeah, I love whiskey, man. I grew up on on Hank Jr., so I grew up drinking Jack Daniels, Jim Beam. Uh, and obviously, you know, getting Hank the dog there in December kind of set that whole thing up, you know, to to kind of be what it was. But, yeah, I'm just a country boy, man. I like, I like uh, my whiskey. I like my marijuana cigarettes, and, and I love my dog. 
So the first song on the new album, High on the Bottle, take me through a little bit of what people can expect. Is this is this just a perfect rendition and replication of what your other albums were? Have you changed things up? You said that your songwriter writing continues to get better. The older you get, the more experience you have in this awesome thing we call life that can be a freaking struggle. Life can kick you in the teeth on way more than one occasion, but high on the bottle. Talk to me about that. Does that mean that you're getting drunk a lot and feeling high because of the whiskey or talk to me what your listeners are going to come to expect from this new album and the first single off of it? Or the first song in the album, I should say. It's a song about being a country music singer. It's a song about the the uh, sacrifices that you have to make when you're out on the road all the time. It's a song about being a little bit twisted and just kind of tells the story of Creed Fisher, you know, being an outlaw country music singer and you try to strike a balance, but it's hard, you know, you know, you, I used to be, you know, way crazier and wilder than I am in my forties. But I just think it's a song about being a country music singer. And just when you say yes to one thing, you have to say no to something else. You know, it's just a song about my life and the life out on the road. And the fact that, you know, we, we drink a lot and we're addicted to the pain, you know, you got to kind of be addicted to the pain to be a touring musician. It's kind of painful. Do you like life on the road, Creed, or are you a homebody being an introvert? I'm a total homebody, man. I love to hunt and fish and I love to get, you know, the outdoors and whatnot. Now it's total work, man. To be honest. There are, I mean, when I get on that stage, don't get me wrong. After it's all said and done, and I get on that stage and the people are right and things are right. There's no other place I'd rather be, but it is a total grind. I'm not going to lie. At times I just completely hate it, but I have been an oil field electrician for 20 years. So I know what, you know, getting up at five in the morning and working until the sun goes down feels like, you know, so I always keep that in perspective. But yeah, man, I, I would much rather be fishing. I live right. I live in New Braunfels where we got two two rivers, a lake. I mean, I'd rather be hunting or fishing or you know playing with Hank the dog than than out on the road. But I, you know, like I said, I think life's all about balance. You know, you get on the road, you miss home. You you get home, you miss being on the road. You know, if you can strike that balance, I think it works. I like it. And tomorrow you're playing the Southern Junction Live in Roy City, Texas. What? do I get to see when I walk into this joint? Is it a rock and roll country show? Do you have pedal steel? Do you concentrate on the harmonies? What's the show about? Is it high energy? Do you slow it down and get a tear jerker in there once in a while? Do you do covers? Is it all originals? How long is your set? What can a person expect when they go see you live tomorrow, Saturday, October 16th, Southern Junction Live in Roy City, Texas with Creed Fisher? I would say the show's very high energy. I would say it's very dynamic that it takes you on a journey kind of like the albums do. You know, I feel like the whole show in general is very high energy, but we bring it down at the right moments. And I just feel like we're really good at reaching out and, and 
taking the crowd over, you know, and I think, I think, I mean, my show's the only show I've ever been to where, where I've seen grown men, you know, usually the people that are trying to get up on the stage are, are young women, you know, teenage women are in their twenties. I'm the only show that I've ever seen a 40 year old man try to climb up on the stage. You know? <laughs> Everything, obviously we come out, it's very high energy. It's very, it's a party, man. When you come see Creed Fisher, it's a party. That, that would be the one thing I would describe it as. And I would just say it goes from a party to hitting certain people very hard of the patriotic nature of songs like this place called USA. And if you have a right to burn my flag. So, you know, yeah, I mean, and then we cut, we play the way that I am, you know, that's a waltz. It's a slow song. So, but I would say it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very dynamic show. Have you quit your day job? Are you, are you, Oh, sorry. I was going to say it's kind of a cross between Jamie Johnson and Leonard Skinner. Ooh, those are big shoes to fill. I like it. I love that new Skinner documentary too. Um, Are you doing this a hundred percent? Is this your career now? Is this your daily full-time job now? You get to live life as a singer songwriter in the great state of Texas. Yes, sir. I've been doing this full time since 2019. Good no, 2018. You. Congratulations. I moved to Austin. So I've been doing it. I mean, I do this is all I do. I wake up and it's just music and I'm very blessed. You know, I got to give a lot of credit to the fans. You know, if it wasn't for them. I wouldn't be able to do, you know, what I do. But so I would say thing I'm, I'm a guy that puts out records, man. <laughs> That's what I love to do the most. So how far after this record, when it releases on the 22nd, will you be back in the studio? Is it right away? I already, I'm going on the 25th of this month. I guess that's a couple weeks from now. I'm going uh, to finish the last four songs of the next album. So I'll have the next album finished the end of November and it'll be coming out 14 new original songs will be coming out in February, February, March. Awesome. You're a worker, man. I love it. So when does the touring pick up? Are you getting more and more dates? Did you have a busy touring schedule through the summer or do you not like to, do you not like to tour as much? Well, uh, things are kind of widening down at this time of year. We signed with the label back in July so uh it's been a whole lot of like fixing things that were wrong <laughs> and getting this thing turned back in the right direction so uh we have three or four shows left this year we're playing in decatur alabama at frederick's outdoors on october 30th and then i played november 4th at the colony of lava cantina canteen at the colony texas here and that's it, you know, and then I'm off. I, I'm taking a break from November to February. And then in the March time frame, we'll be going out on tour at the LAX next year. I love it. Well, I'm excited for you, man. I'm excited for the new album. Anything you want to add in about this new album? I love the three songs that you've released again so far, Jesus, Haggard, and Jones, the good old U.S. of A, and High on the Bottle from the upcoming album. 
October 22nd, 2021, by the one and only Creed Fisher Whiskey and the Dog. You want to sing one for us today, my man? You want to give the audience a little something or you want to go out with one? I always invite people. I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't feel like it. I totally get it, but it's your call, brother. Well, my guitar's in the other room. If I could go get it real quick. I'll wait. I'll wait. waiting on mr creed fisher to get back y'all check him out he's got a lot of albums a lot of songs on itunes we're going to leave the podcast today another great episode which song are you going to sing mr creed give me the name one off the new album it's one off the new album called girls with big titties here it is creed fisher this Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions and downloads. Thank you, Jack Daniels, the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you to Creed Fisher. Y'all get his new album. It releases October 22nd of this year, Whiskey and the Dog. Here is a song off of that album. Thank you all for listening. Creed Fisher. I love sinking line. I love cracking a beer. I love a good party crowd like the one we got here. And to my two ex-wives, it might sound kind of shitty. But I've always loved them girls with big titties. It started as a young back in the fifth grade. That's the first time I recall thinking about getting laid. That teacher of mine, she wasn't even all that pretty. But Lord, oh my God, she had great big old titties. I hope you're picking up what I'm throwing down. I like my face in between, love them fluffy and round. It just ain't the same when they're small and little bitty. Oh, I've always loved them girls with big titties. Yes, I have. I love playing my guitar, love smoking my grass. I love making love, I love kicking ass. Them girls out in the country, there's a few in every city. And they're walking around with them great big old titties. I love Hank Jr. and I love Merle Haggard. See, I screwed that part up, man. <laughs> oh, you're all right. I love Hank, Hank Jr. and Merle. I love uh, cashing my paycheck, love sweet Manny Pearl. But nobody is like Dolly, not even old Conway Twitty. We love old Conway, but Conway didn't have them great big old titties. I hope you're picking up what I'm throwing down. 
Like my face in between, love them fluffy and around. It just ain't the same when they're small and little bitty. I've always loved them girls with big titties. It just ain't the same when they're small little bitty. That's what she said. I've always loved those girls with them great titties.